Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Amazing Race Rewind podcast, the podcast where we rewind back in time to watch the earliest seasons of the Amazing Race for the first time. My name is Andrew. And I'm Jill. And we're here today to talk about season two, episode three. Yes. We regret to inform you that the day has come. Tragedy has stricken. But we will get into that further. But first of all, I just want to say that this was an extremely complicated leg. With oh my teams goodness. All over the place with all these different flight paths. Teams were, I just have it listed here. We were in Milan, we were in London, we were in Lisbon, we were in Johannesburg, we were in Frankfurt, and then finally Cape Town. And New York, I think, too. One team flew through and New, New York. And New York, yeah. Peggy and Claire were in New York. Which yeah. I think is funny because in an earlier episode, I had said how it was so good that the production team was finally giving them routes to go through. And this was honestly, this airport segment was the most chaotic I think there has been on the race yet. Because it was every yeah. man for himself, every team for themselves. This is going to be extremely hard to make sense of and to sift through and to recap, but... That is our job. It is what we are paid to do. (laughs) So we we will be doing our best as we're going to sludge through this snow. Like some Alaskan ice truckers. Are you getting paid? Because I'm not. Well, we're working on it. (laughs) The email can also be used for e-transfers. Donations. (laughs) (laughs) And something about the flights that I didn't really like is that the flights that people took just determined their placement. It's like whoever arrived there first, that was their placement. Everybody was kind of in their own subgroups the entire leg without any deviation. In one way, it was kind of neat because it really just took the order in which the teams were sitting and just tossed it up in a salad. Yeah. And it was, yeah, all, I don't know, I couldn't find a better analogy for tossed it up. (laughs) No, that was good. (laughs) Okay, good. But it it really was, like, the team who came in first, not that they were bad the first times, a couple around, but you didn't necessarily see them coming in first, and the team who was eliminated, I feel, or like, I won't say the team that was eliminated, the teams who were kind of in the back of the pack were really strong. Mm Mm-hmm. So in a way, it was kind of neat, but tracking it was an absolute mess. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know how a casual viewer would be able to follow this episode. I think they just have to sit back and just, like, leave their minds blank and try not to think about it too hard in order to enjoy this episode. Oh, I know. Okay, so shall we start off here? We shall. And I actually want to mention something that I have forgotten to mention um, in the past couple episodes for season two. I know in season one, you mentioned how um, it was kind of odd that Phil did the voiceover over top of the intro when all the teams are being introduced. Oh, yeah. And now he doesn't, but there's just one little piece of text when the credits start and it just says 11 teams of two. And that's it, I think, which I just find so funny because it's it's as if they aren't as if they aren't just going to continue that by showing 11 teams of two people, like as if people can't figure that, that, that out for themselves. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, not the premise, not no idea what they're doing. I mean, they show a globe and some like other places, but oh, I also I also have to add because um, we started at Iguazu Falls here. Yeah, we were at Victoria Falls last season. We're at the falls now. I think as we progress through this podcast, we should do a little a little tracker, a little counter to see if they go to a major waterfall every season. Oh, okay. I just have I yeah. just have a, a little inkling that it's going to become a theme. A staple where we where we visit a waterfall every season. Yeah, because we still have got Niagara. We still have. I mean, there are a lot of waterfalls <laughs> in the world. <laughs> that is true. I can only think of Niagara right now. Well, okay, so yes, as you said, we start off at Iguazu Falls, and we see from the night before teams are interacting with each other. They're eating. They're at camp. Whatever. And Shola and Dween are the first to depart at ten thirty four p.m. and. 
They are instructed to go to Cape Town, South Africa, and visit Nelson Mandela's former prison cell, which is on Robben Island. And outside of the camp, they say that they have cabs waiting for them, to, which will take them to the airport. Yeah, so pretty straightforward route. So kind of the thing here is they're allowed to get to South Africa any way they can. But the issue is they have to go through Sao Paulo first. So they yeah. have to get to Sao Paulo, which is kind of a bunch up for all the teens. I think that was intentional because yes. it everybody's there at the same time and it's just chaos with everyone trying to book a flight. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy they did that. They were on two different flights 10 minutes apart, so everybody was pretty much there at the same time. Yeah. So and then Chris and Alex and Will and Tara are starting both at the same time at 10.47 p.m. And we get a confessional from Chris and Alex where they're clocking Will and Tara as their biggest threats and how they say that they want to work with them because they want to keep them close and then just, like, let them go at the end. So I think their strategy here is to just kind of team up with the strongest teams and then steamroll everybody else and then just fight it out at the end. What do you think of the strategy as opposed to, like, I think Kevin and Drew stated last season that Part of their motivation for working with Nancy and Emily was that they were a weaker team and they felt that they'd be able to beat them at the end. So what do you think of carrying weaker teams and then beating them at the end versus steamrolling and working with a strong team and making it to the end, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does. I think we kind of saw both last season. Again, we saw the Kevin and Drew, Nancy and Emily thing. But I think we also saw that two stronger teams kind of not helping each other out as much, I would say, because with Frank and Margarita and the lawyers... I wouldn't say they helped each other out, but there was a semblance of an alliance right off of episode two, and that didn't really go mm-hmm. anywhere. But I think even that little bit helped them stay at the top. So I don't know. I think, I don't know. I mean, I'm just someone who I think if I was in that position, I wouldn't want to ally with anyone. I think it's yeah. best if you just go by yourself, because the minute you add somebody, another team to the equation, I feel like there's an emotional accountability. You know, you don't want to be those people who drop them for dead or stuff like that. So I... I honestly can't say either option. I would just say neither. What about you? Yeah, I would say, well, I mean, we've talked about this before, but alliances that are set in stone are not the best thing to do. I think it should be a lot more of a casual relationship where if you're like at a task with one team or a roadblock and say, oh, we should work together. I think that's much more beneficial than something being set in stone because you don't want to be tied to another team. Because I think this that goes to Chris and Alex and Will and Tara's detriment here when they're at the airport and they realize that they can't really work well together and they're just kind of flustering each other. And it, it with this alliance, like we've said, as proven, it doesn't last the episode. We make it about halfway through. Yeah, and I mean, I think we saw something, uh, I'd say a much more collaborative alliance in this episode too, uh, with, um, who was it? Was it Cindy and Russell and Chris and Alex, specifically at the detour task where Chris and Alex actually stay behind a bit and actively help the other two out. And they kind of just band together throughout the rest of the the episode, because again, we're saying the flights create quite large gaps between the intervals in which the teams are performing all of these tasks. So those, to me, they they did everything together. Like, it was one after the other. And I think, did they even step on the mat together? I think so. Which, there's been a lot of that this season. I think every leg, there's been teams who have been like, we're tying and we're stepping on the mat together. I wonder if that was maybe a rule change from last season. Because last season, there was a lot of getting to the mat at the same time. But I feel like they must have been told that you can only check in one at a time. Because they would eventually sort themselves out into a single row. Whereas here, they must have changed that because... Yeah, so far almost every episode, teams have tied up. 
What do you mean a single row? I just noticed last season, say even if three teams were running for the mat at the same time, one person would somehow get there first. And then like just by determining an order of running, you know, then the second team, then the third team. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, maybe there's just a little bit more camaraderie. Sure. Maybe, maybe it's just yeah, out of maybe the base of their it. hearts. Yeah. <laughs> so Terry and P- uh, no, ooh, twelve fourteen a.m. Mary and Peach are starting, and then Gary and Dave start at twelve seventeen. And this is a team that I don't know how I feel. They're like really strange. They have a quote right off the bat here. They say, "We live in an imaginary world where we're brilliant when we're obviously not." They're like I don't know how how to feel about them because they're so self-deprecating last episode they were talking about how they weren't attractive and now they're talking about how they're not smart and they're not a team that really sticks out to me they just seem like they feel hollow if that makes sense yeah i don't know that comment did it did strike me too i think mostly because yeah it's that line of are you being is it is this just honesty or is this just kind of now self-deprecation it's just an interesting (laughs) attitude to come into the race with it's like i think he's trying to be funny but i don't know if it's exactly landing yeah, I don't know. And then Cindy and Russell are leaving at 12.22 a.m. Oswald and Danny following at 1.14 a.m. And then here we are at 2.40 a.m. Where it is Peggy and Claire's departure time and they are nowhere to be seen. This, obviously, I think we talked about it. It was advertised in the preview last week. What happens is Blake and Paige are, obviously, they were in last But they make the decision that even though they're awake and they know that the Gutsy Grannies aren't, they do not wake the Gutsy Grannies for their departure time. And Blake and Paige just go right on ahead. Now, honestly, this doesn't end up, I'd say, making a huge deal because, as we said, everyone just kind of gets bunched up together at the airport anyway. But you've you've made a pretty clear enemy for yourself there, even if you're at the back of the pack. I mean, I feel like Peggy and Claire would have to understand that, like, if... Somebody didn't wake me up. I wouldn't be mad at them. I'd be more mad at myself for not waking up, you know? That is true. That is true. And then also, during this, there's some weird editing choice here where Blake, like, walks over to their their tent and opens it up and sees they're still sleeping. And then it turns to slow-mo and there's, like, this horror sound effect, like he's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. <laughs> and it's, like, all in the dark and it's creepy. It's like, wow. They They were really trying to set a scene. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, ultimately this doesn't mean any, do anything. Um, Peggy and Claire end up leaving 37 minutes after their original scheduled departure time. And we, yeah, it gets bunched up anyway. Now we get to the airport, which as we've said already a couple times is just complete. And the airport in Sao Paulo, I should add, is just complete and utter chaos. Okay, very quickly before we get to that. So when Blake and Paige are leaving, did you notice what Blake was wearing? Um, not anything that sticks out. Why? Yeah, so Martin mentioned last episode about his extensive cowboy outfits, <laughs> but here he's completely switched gears and he's wearing a full-on blazer with a dress shirt and tie, like he's a businessman. And then on the bottom, he's wearing shorts. You know what? When you've only packed for a certain amount of events and you only have a certain number of clothes, you just got to start wearing what you have. <laughs> if something's clean, you just wear it. I guess so, wearing uh, this out, out in the jungle. Yep. Or wherever they are, yeah. Gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta bring a clothesline. So, at the airport, it is a mad dash as everybody disperses and goes to different airline booths and try and find flights. There's there's aggression here. And now I want to specifically point something out where the grannies, they are aggressive and they were fighting for tickets and they get budged in line. What did you think of this? Okay, yeah, so this was... 
our first taste of airport drama of the season, and I was licking my lips. I was very happy. So just to set this up, Cindy and Russell, they're in line for American Airlines, and the Gutsy Grannies are behind them when Blake and Paige show up. Now, we're presented this drama with two different perspectives. So the first perspective that Blake and Paige give is that they say they noticed that there was a lady, another lady behind the desk, who was available for some time, and nobody was speaking to her. So they went and talked to her. But from Peggy and Claire's perspective, it seems like Blake and Paige just, like, budged in line and cut in front of them, and they were very displeased by this. Yeah. So what? What did? how did you make sense of this? I don't know. I feel like, honestly, both sides are valid. If there's a woman at the ticket counter, I mean, the grannies were saying they'd been there an hour and they still hadn't been yeah. helped. So I'm I'm just kind of wondering, well, why didn't they talk to this other agent? Or did this, did this other agent already tell them no? That's kind of my, I think I have more a question rather than a side that I've I've chosen. Yeah. It just seems it's odd. Like, yeah, it's just differing perspectives on a situation and both teams kind of like think they're in the right or don't think they're in the wrong or they did anything wrong. But, but ultimately this didn't lead to anything because Blake and Paige, I think they said they didn't really get anything out of talking to this ticket agent. It was just, it was just a little morsel of drama for us. A little something sweet for the kids. Yes. And now, well, quite literally every team is in amidst some sort of this drama or this panic running to ticket booths, trying to book any sort of flight to South Africa, Oswald and Danny, get a ticket and it's because apparently their ticket agent told them that they were the only ones who came in calmly and they treated her respectfully and you know what i applaud that like i wholeheartedly applaud that i know that you would love that i knew that you were gonna you were gonna eat that that up i do you gotta love good honest sportsmanship and just politeness Yeah, well, I mean, good good for them. So, yes, they are going to Cape Town through London. Shola, the, so that the twins and Cindy and Russell are also going to London. Um, but only the twins have confirmation for the connecting flight. Yes, and this seems to be an um, issue Cape Town. with a couple other teams, is that one or two teams make it on the same flight, but only one of them has a confirmed connection. The other is on standby, which I I made a note of this, and I want to get your perspective on it for me personally that's not good enough i just i don't know if i'd be able to take that flight and Mm. knowing we might be waiting another couple hours or days in that location like what do you think i mean i think when you're at the airport you're just desperate to get out and get somewhere and i would obviously try and fight for more but if that's all you can get you just got to try again when you're in london or wherever you are that's what you got to do i guess it would just make me very uneasy yeah, me as well. But I mean, at least if you would know that there are other teams in your position that are like dealing with the same thing, and that would make me feel a little bit better. But yeah, it would make me feel uneasy as well. But I can understand the panic of wanting to just get out of the airport as fast as you can. Yes. Now, should we outline all the different routes that all the teams take? Because I feel like it's so hectic and we need to give some context for the listeners. Okay, here we go. So, yeah, first we said uh, the Twins and Cindy Russell are going to London, but only the Twins have confirmation for the connecting flight. Mary and Peach are going to Milan, then London, and then Cape Town. Gary and Dave are going to Lisbon, London, then Cape Town. Um, Like we said before, Oswald and Danny are going to London first. The Gutsy Grannies take a route that will send them pretty much around the entire world. They're going to New York, (laughs) then London, then Johannesburg, and then Cape Town. I will say, that is actually, I just, I, I processed it as a longer route beforehand. That's a four-continent route. That's insane. Yeah. 
It's insane. Wow. Literally half the entire world. That must be a horrible and absolutely miserable couple of travel days. Four continents. That's, I, I never processed that before. That's insane. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So yeah, we, we get told all of this and then we see that Tara and Will and Chris and Alex are all behind. And this is where we see the alliance kind of dismantle how Will is flustering Chris and Alex and he says that they're inhibiting them from like being their calm, cool, and collected selves. So and then the alliance is over and they disperse. So Chris and Alex find a flight to Cape Town through Frankfurt. Will and Tara and Blake and Paige, who are the last ones at the airport, they're going to Cape Town via London. And only Will and Tara have tickets to Cape Town, whereas Blake and Paige do not have um, tickets to Cape Town once they're in London. And they're also on the same flight as Daniel Oswald and Gary and Dave. So if that is comprehensible to you. Because I said it all and I still don't exactly know what's going on. I'm going to be honest, this... Like, this was just me trying to... Pro- I was trying to process it the whole episode, so much so that the team who came in last, I actually... And, Andrew, you're going to hate me for this. I didn't realize that they weren't being shown at all. They had almost no airtime oh, after this point. I know you did. I'm sorry I didn't. I, I was just still trying to figure things out. But it, it's so... It was just such a mess. And it, it was... Ugh, it, yeah, it was quite something to follow. And, and I don't think either of us followed it really well. No, but I can't imagine how much of a nightmare it would have to be for the editors to try and sift through all this footage and make sense of what's going on. And just trying to figure out, you know, what time, you know, there's footage of this team at this airport. Well, is that before or after this team was at that airport? Well, yeah. this team is in this time zone, so that's technically at this time and that. Like, it would be, oh, kudos. Kudos to the editors. It would be absolutely horrible. Yeah. So one quick kind of character thing. So when Mary and Peach are at the airport, they're cracking me up. Like, they've, some of their, the things that they say is just hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, they're talking about how the first they thought the beach was the worst, and then they thought the bus was the worst, and now they're thinking it's the airport, and then we cut to a scene where, okay, I feel like I should know this, but I don't know what the difference between Mary and Peach. There are always some teams where, like, I don't know who, Chris versus Alex, I didn't, I couldn't figure out who was Joe and who was Bill last season. I... Can you tell the difference, first of all? I, 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 well, obviously now I can tell who Kevin and Drew are and who Joe and Bill is, but mm. for the longest time, I didn't know. I also, di- I also didn't know the difference between Rob and Brendan for the longest time. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, Mary and Peach, I can't. But it's also, like, they don't give you enough time with them, I feel like, to fully hear them speak and hear them differentiate. But I will say, yeah, don't know the difference between them. Don't know the difference between Oswald and Danny. Yeah, who else? Gary and Dave, Chris and Alex. yeah. But yeah, that, I guess that's just because they're always shown as a collective. It's not like, it's never any individual thing. That's it. And, you know, Phil will narrate, for example, like, Gary and Dave arrived to this task and they must complete this. But it, it always t- even if it's a roadblock, he talks about it as the collective team. He won't be like, mm. Gary is doing this. Well, or maybe he is, but it's not enough for us to process the, the different teammates. Yeah. So anyway, back to Marion Peach at the airport. So they're talking about how, yeah, they're at rock bottom, it's horrible. And we cut to a scene of one of them, they're standing, facing a wall, wall with their hands and head pressed up against it. And then the camera slowly pans out to, to the sister and she says, she's losing it. <laughs> and it's just a hilariously well done scene. <laughs> I feel like that would um, be you and me. <laughs> she's losing it. <laughs> that, like I would be, yeah, head, like just taking a minute, head against the wall. Yeah. That will be on the Instagram for everybody to appreciate. <laughs> so go follow us at Amazing Rewind on Instagram to see that clip, among many others. <laughs> so yes, okay, Cindy and Russell are on standby as well as Blake and Paige. 
in London. So they both get left left behind while the others on their flight who are Will and Tara, Danny and Oswald, and Gary and Dave head to Cape Town first. So they're in the lead. It's a odd, odd mix at the front. Like you, it's not like last season where kind of the same strong team stayed at the mm-hmm. front. Like I said, this airport shuffle really allowed some other teams to kind of break away from the pack. Well, and just, I'll say this right away. Gary and Dave, Oswald and Danny and Terrible, they're the top three for this leg. Yeah, it's so dependent on the flights this time around. It really is. So yes, once the teams arrive to Cape Town, they have to take a ferry, which comes every hour on the hour, to the prison island where they have to find... But it was every half hour. Every half hour. No, I think it was... I think it was every hour because Gary and Dave were talking about how they just barely missed the 8 a.m. So they had to wait until 9 a.m. Oh. Well, it doesn't matter anyway. Anyway, sorry. So then Shola and Dween are the next to arrive in Cape Town, followed by Mary and Peach 45 minutes later. So the teams that are in front and they finish the Nelson Mandela task, they have to go to Cock Bay Har- Harbor and they take a ferry back. This Nelson Mandela task, it's, it's like cool to see, but it, there's not really much going on there. Well, they they all express because um, they're they go to visit the cell on Robin Island, is it? Yes. And uh, he was kept there for eighteen out of his twenty seven years in prison, and they all kind of speak to the fact that they wish they were kind of allotted mm-hmm. more time to just reflect. It's pretty much every team makes a statement about this, I think. But it is true, you know. It, there's so much significance, and it's. I feel like even the TV show doesn't give it enough time to just kind of yeah. t- take it, take it in. Like it's still very fast paced. I mean, they showed like a picture of Nelson Mandela in like prison or something for like half a second. But that's the thing about the Amazing Race is that you're in all these cool places for the first time, and probably the last time in your life, and you want to appreciate it, but you just can't. It's an interesting thing because it's that's why I enjoy like kind of a different scenario there's not historical significance to this but when teams are told to take specific modes of transportation or you know take a boat here or you must take this here because they're on their form Mm. of transportation they physically cannot go any faster so i think they just kind of are able to take a moment and appreciate what is around them so i just have a little note here that mary and peach they're asking these regular people who are in line for the ferry tickets if they could just cut them because they're in a race which which i feel like you would do that I mean, it depends how desperate, but I feel I feel like I would feel bad. But again, I don't know. Do what you got to do. Good for them. And then this is where we cut to Peggy and Claire, who are in London, and they are notified that they have missed their flight to Johannesburg because their flight to London came late. So they got to figure out what they're going to do. And my heart dropped as we cut to commercial break. I knew it would. I felt I, I felt for you in that moment. Yeah, I felt for myself. <laughs> After this prison task, we go to a detour. And I say, we have a good detour. Yes. Or so I thought. Well, It's in the right direction. It seemed good on the surface until I actually saw what they had to do. From the get-go, I wasn't like, oh, this is just such a stereotypical, this one's easier, this one's harder task. It, I thought it was going to be an even balance. Yeah, so what the detour is, it's you have a choice between dance or deliver. So we have the inception here of the dance task, which we didn't have any last season, which is now a staple that appears several times per season on the show. It seems like whenever they have, they don't know what to do for a detour. Oh, let's just make them do a dance task because they're they're all the time in the amazing. Learn race. the choreography. Yeah, so they, yeah, they have to dance with a local troupe, and then this is the part that I don't like: is they have to ask for money from locals after performing and receive a certain amount in order to leave. So it doesn't matter how well they did the dance, or they don't actually have to learn the dance. They just have to go and 
flail their limbs around and then ask locals for money. And then once they receive a certain amount of money, they complete the detour. I think the dance tasks have gotten better now, as in it's usually learn not a complex dance, but, you know, a little it's a little lengthier. And there's steps that aren't just kind of step left, right, left, right. And then perform it, not necessarily for a crowd, but just well enough to get your clue. Whereas this, yeah, I think they, they're they getting there with some of these tasks, but you can still see they're not fully formed yet. Yeah, and then whereas deliver is where teams need to deliver fish from a boat to scales. And once they've delivered 125 kilograms of fish, they'll get their next clue. So this seems, it seems more like a modern detour to me, but still not as good as what I would like it to be. I thought it was going to be so much better. But it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. I honestly thought most of the teams would choose Deliver. I was very surprised when most of them chose Dance. But what are what would you pick, Andrew? So for, from what I initially thought, if it was like Dance and you have to dance well or like learn the choreography and then like be judged on it, I would choose Deliver because I know Deliver is going to take a set amount of time. You're going to get it done in a certain amount of time. And then that's it. Like there, you can't. You're always making progress in the deliver one, whereas dance, you don't know how good you're going to be at that. True. So I think I would I would lean towards the deliver one, but knowing that you don't have to learn the dance, and it seemed like everybody just kind of did it once and then got the amount of money that they needed, I think dance is obviously the better option here. Yeah, I was thinking the same mindset as well, except no matter how hard it is, I would do the dance because you know me and fish, so that's not happening. So oh, I forgot, <laughs> yeah. So that's not happening. Yeah, so do you have any highlights of this detour of teams completing it? It didn't really seem to be no, uh, like, much again, going on. It's like you said, they basically all really just danced once and they got the enough enough cash and they were good to go. Yeah, other than this is where we saw Chris and Alex and Cindy and Russell working together. And Chris and Alex finished the the fish one first because, yeah, they were, they were the only two to do the fish and not the dance. Chris and Alex finished the fish first and then they helped Cindy and Russell complete the the fish detour as well finish the fish that's almost a tongue twister finish the fish almost almost (laughs) so after the detour they're instructed to go to the paradise hair salon in zone 23 of the langa township which is a more impoverished part of the city and it's definitely supposed to be like an omg moment for the contestants and audience more of like the culture shock india moment that they had last season i feel yeah i I wouldn't say there's a like in the edit, they don't show it to be a large culture shock really off the bat. The mm-hmm. only kind of moment you get from that is when Mary and Peach are taking, is it the train there? Because it's like train yes. and a cab. And they're on the train and they're asking locals for directions. And two of the locals tell them, don't go there. If you go there, you will get robbed. You will get killed. So they're quite apprehensive. Yeah, this this was a great scene. I mean, I would be horrified if I were Marion Peach and I was on the train and these locals are telling me that they're going to rob you, they're going to kill you. Yeah, so... The locals aren't saying that to them as in they're going to do that. The locals are saying that if they go there, oh, that's yeah, going to happen. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't mean to put it like that. But yeah, one man tells them, he says, well, if you like to be alive, don't go there. So... I also think, though, that probably comes from the fact that they're in about fourth at this point. And the other three teams who are ahead are kind of traveling in a pack almost the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like they're sharing cabs, they're sharing trains. So they have kind of that pack security, I'd say. And they're not really think probably even aware of the, those kinds of things. Whereas the two women traveling alone, it's a very different experience. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, they go to the Paradise Hair Salon and there is a roadblock. 
a roadblock. This is an interesting one for us because the prompt is a strong sense of direction and a strong stomach. Now, I've got a strong sense of direction. However, my stomach is about as weak as it could be. So because of that, I think I would say I would do it because I know you've expressed that eating challenges would just not be your thing at all. That is like, I can convince myself to honestly do anything. I could jump off a building. I could, you know, not that, I would, not <laughs> really? that I'm comfortable with you it. You can jump off a three-foot tree. Okay, we don't need to bring that up. <laughs> I'm bringing it up. You're talking about jumping off buildings? I saw the video. I saw the video. Okay, you know what? It was a really <laughs> rickety treehouse. And if I had to be helped down by two friends, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. My Anywho. point is, if it's for a million dollars, I could convince myself to jump off a building with a bungee cord. I could convince yeah. myself to go through whitewater rapids. I could convince myself to walk on the site of an active volcano. But eating something that... Like, I just have such a weak stomach and it just gets upset by the worst things. Or like by the... the not the worst things, sorry. By the simplest things. So I just know... like it, the, I have the, Just the thought of eating or drinking something that I'm not used to would already start making me feel sick. Yeah. So yeah, I would say based on that, I'm doing it. Because I mean, I don't have the worst sense of direction. I just think yours is a lot better. Yeah. But I think I would still be able to navigate it. It's like the the food one in China at the near the end of last season. That's like that's just one I know I wouldn't be able to do because it's not even the actual food in front of you. To me it's just the thought of it and I can't get it out of my head when I'm eating. Right, the premise of what you're actually eating, like you're eating a chicken foot. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. But I guess we should actually explain what the task explain what the roadblock the, is the here. Roadblock. So one team member must navigate their way through the township, and they have to pick up a box of Epsom salts and buy a smiley. Now, Jill, what's a smiley? A smiley is essentially a sheep's head. Yeah, it's Wait. <laughs> cut off, and it's not what's not not roasted. What's the word? I'm forgetting the word. I don't know. It looks like they like boiled it or something. Yeah, it's a decapitated sheep's head that's been boiled or roasted or something, but it's known as a smiley. Yeah, which is a local delicacy. So they have to pick up those two things, and then they have to navigate their way to find a local healer um, and present the smiley as an offering. And then in return, he will then prepare a liquid remedy using the Epsom salts, which they will have to drink to receive their next clue. Yes. But they d- they never told us what was in this remedy. They just said it was bitter. Yeah, the, some of the teams described it. Was it so? Whoever from Gary and Dave did the task said it was like a mix of Clorox bleach and um, <laughs> what was it? Clorox bleach and I don't remember. I don't even. I just remember the Clorox bleach, and that was enough for me to kind of get an yeah. idea. So yeah, a couple of things from this task is there's a really wholesome moment where Oswald is like walking around and he makes friends with a local, and they're just kind of talking about their lives and like sharing stories and stuff which i thought was a really good moment and what the amazing race wants from a task like this like it's it's nice because you can see obviously he's going through the motions of the task but he's genuinely kind of conversing with this this guy and Mm -hmm. just like he's not rushing it like he's taking the time to just talk to this guy and i think he makes a comment something like people are the same everywhere which is i think something that the amazing race doesn't give a lot of time for usually you know if someone helps you in a task it's always portrayed at least that they kind of just use this person for directions or use them for help and then you know whatever goodbye so this was actually the first time we've seen someone take the time to just slow down and and i guess process where they are and what they're doing yeah i like yeah interact with the culture in this way yeah 
I mean, yeah, I think we got we had last season on the train where I think Kevin was playing cards with some local children or something in India. But is that to me, that's not the same. Right, because they're on a train, yeah. They're on a train, they're going somewhere at the end of the day, they're just going to run off the train. Yeah, but this is just the kind of thing that I really like to see on this show. It's very wholesome. It is. So yes, Gary, who is quite grossed out by the sheep head, he says he can't do it and it's not right. And he says, where is PETA when you need them? I, 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 he, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It took me a moment to figure out what you meant by PETA. I went through PETA bread, PETA from the Hunger Games, oh. and then I settled on, oh. <laughs> you land Isn't on. it like PETA? I thought he said PETA. Oh, maybe he said PETA, but... Well, I didn't, Either I didn't way. even know they were around back in the day, in 2002. 20 years ago? Yeah. Animal cruelty fighting was a thing then. Well, I didn't think it was as huge, but I guess, I don't know, 70s and the hippies, but whatever. Okay, so he he also just thinks... <laughs> well, wasn't that like a thing with the hippies in the 70s? They were all like animal cruelty. I don't know, but now you're going 30 years before the show's time. Well, I'm just saying it was a thing before no, I know, modern I know. day. I yeah. Know. So, yeah, Gary, again, he thinks he's an absolute comedian, and he asks the guy who prepares the concoction if he has mouthwash after drinking it. Which, again, is like, okay, that's I'm not smiling. That's what he compared it to. He said it was like a taste, a combination of Clorox bleach and mouthwash. Oh, okay, well, there we go. After this, Tara and Will, they're talking about how, how well they're working together, and they haven't really had any conflict. And I think that's been showing, because I think they've been the only team who have been consistently been at the front for all three of these legs. Yeah. Which is also shocking. It's interesting. I think they were, like, supposed to be cast as the bickering couple, but they haven't been giving that. Yeah, the ed- or at least the edit so far has not shown a lot of that. Yes. So, after, do you have anything for the roadblock before? Else, Anything else? Not particularly, no. It, like, it doesn't seem overly challenging, either. It's just, I think, it's, it's kind of... What am I trying to say? A lot of teams seem to take it as the opportunity to slow down and just kind of relax a bit, which is nice. Like, they're, they're not running around, it doesn't feel like. Yes, everybody kind of arrives in their little subgroupings and completes the roadblock. And one thing I also will note is when Mary and Peach are there, whoever is goes and does the roadblock, they're, they, they're carrying around a bunch of sunglasses with them. And then whoever's not doing the roadblock hands the sunglasses to all these local children. Oh, interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Oh, you didn't see it? Yeah. I thought, which I thought was a very nice moment. But it seems weird you're just carrying around a bunch of pairs of sunglasses. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's maybe they're in the sunglass industry. <laughs> maybe. I mean better than Robin Brennan carrying around American flags last year and giving it to That literally to South I, had, I had totally forgotten about that. And I think that was only in episode one. And I swear I like it must have been like the production team trying to set this up. Like, you guys need to have a personality as the ambassadors. Here, take these flags. We're gonna do a little bit for the camera. I would not be shocked if that was the case. No. Because yeah. it never came up again. So after the roadblock they are instructed to go to Lanzarac manor which is where the pit stop is and is a 300 year old estate in the south african wine country yes no one seems to have any immense difficulty getting there it seems like the taxis kind of just know where to take them and they're greeted with an assortment of or the choice of red or white wine at the mat yeah well, and mind you, while some teams are on the way to the pit stop, we're seeing Chris and Alex and Cindy and Russell, they're just getting off their flights in Cape Town and starting the leg and going to the prison. Meanwhile, we haven't heard from the Gutsy Grannies since London, 
which was like 20 minutes ago in the episode. So I've been freaking out this entire time saying, why aren't we cutting back to them? Let's go back to them. Why aren't they in South Africa? Let's go. (laughs) But teams are kind of all over the place in this leg. It's like they're not in one large group moving through the leg as a unit. No, yeah, they definitely need to bunch them up again because their start times are so strewn now. Yeah, I'm curious to see what it's going to be next week. Yeah. Their start times, what the difference is going to be. But Oswald and Danny win this leg. Congratulations to them. It's been a, quite a diverse group of teams getting first place here, these first three legs. It really has. And they, yeah, they never really seemed like front runners to me the first two episodes, but here they are. Yeah, they've come from behind and they're, they've shown that they're here to win it. They're not joking around. Yeah. And then they also don't get a prize, so I guess they only did a prize on the first leg. They're getting there. They're not, they're not fully sure of how to do this prize thing, first place winner thing yet, but they're getting there. <laughs> I, I suppose, but I would be so mad if I was all the other teams and I heard that Tara and Will got a Hawaiian vacation or wherever they went. Meanwhile, the other teams getting them first are getting nothing. Well, I would be mad. One team is going to walk away with, unless it's Tara and Will, say so then they walk away <laughs> with a million dollars and a Hawaiian vacation. But yeah, so speaking of, Tara and Will are in second, and Gary and Dave are in third. So yeah, those are the the three teams that were on the first flight. Mary and Peach, they're not far behind, but they seem to think they might be at the back of the pack because one of them kind of says to the other, we'll just, we'll take it, you know, we'll take whatever we've got. And they walk up very solemnly. Yeah, they're kind of, they're on their own, this this leg. They haven't really seen anybody yet, but they do arrive in fourth place. And then Shoal and Dween and Blake and Paige, they tie and walk on the mat together in fifth, which marks three for three this season for that. Yep. And here I'm still waiting, still waiting for the Gutsy Grannies. Gutsy Grannies, where are you? I need to see you, Gutsy Grannies. Four minutes. There's four minutes left in the episode. We have no idea what they're doing. They haven't even started the leg. And this is where wow, I said I'd, I'd forgotten about them, like genuinely. And I was, I, I remember thinking, oh, Andrew definitely hasn't forgotten about them, but I don't know how I did. Well, I mean, I can't blame you for forgetting about them. I can't imagine most people who aren't as attuned or invested in this show would just see them at the end and be like, oh, who are they? I know. But anyway, Chris and Alex are in 7th, and Cindy and Russell are in 8th. And then finally, with about like 3 minutes left in the episode, we cut back to London. And we see a montage of the Gutsy Grannies. Almost, what are they, 24 hours behind everyone else? Yeah, they're pretty much a whole day behind. Well, I mean, what do you expect when you're going to New York, and then London, and then... Like, that's an insane route to be taking. I know. We see a montage of them completing the leg to very dramatic music while the other contestants are giving commentary about how incredible they are. It's a very nice send-off. It is. It's very sweet. Yeah. So then they finally arrive at the pit stop, and one of them says they have a quote. They say, talk about being a day and a dollar short. (laughs) And then there's also something that that I've noticed is that Phil, he doesn't... Like, I know we've talked about this, but he does not engage with the teams at all and seems to be very robotic and scripted in these early seasons because there's no banter. Because, like, Peg and Claire kind of go off the regular script for the first time they're asking them. Uh, Asking Phil, it's like, oh, were we a whole day behind? And he just kind of pauses and doesn't seem like he knows what to say and just goes, yeah. Yeah, it's he's he's almost debating, should I should I should I say this or is like is it like totally catches him off guard. Yeah, but he, he does answer, so, you know, he's he's still warming up to the job. He's still getting yeah, used to it. he's finding his footing. Yeah, he's doing good. We love Phil. It's a very long, drawn-out send-off. They really gave the Gutsy Grannies their flowers, and I think they really appreciated them this season, as they should. <laughs> as they should. <laughs> yep, but unfortunately, that concludes the episode. 
And that concludes the gutsy grannies, which I think they could have been fine if it weren't for their horrible flight path. It's it's there's always one team at at least every season that just really gets screwed over by flights or travel or transit or, yeah. or a stupid task or something. And okay, next- and then interesting thing here. Sorry, I I was reading an article from 2002 before the premiere aired where um, somebody was interviewing the Gutsy Grannies and they gave a couple interesting tidbits here where they said on one of the flights people had actually asked for their autographs. So like, I guess people people were more aware of the Amazing Race at this time, and they realized like, oh, these people are on the Amazing Race. Let me ask for their autographs. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, already on season two, which is crazy. But that's what, that's what we're talking about. Is now there's this awareness where you see people traveling with backpacks, like the big backpacks and the camera team. And season one, it was like, what is this? And now people yeah. are like, oh, it's the are they are they on the Amazing Race? Maybe well, let's go ask them. But I mean, I feel like anywhere outside of the U.S. would have no idea what's going on. Fair. And then also they, they revealed in this interview that at one point they snuck into an employee shower at an airport <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to use their shower. That's awesome. And that they were pr- pretty much never given enough money and went without food for most of the time and were pretty much just eating like bread, chips, and candy. Oh my god. So they said their diets were absolutely horrible. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, we had the discussion earlier about if it came down to hotel or food. Food. Yeah. yeah. Well, they also did talk about sleep deprivation and how that was the hardest part. Because you're never getting a good sleep. You're always, you have to get used to sleeping in airports, sleeping on the beach, sleeping wherever you can. Yeah. So yeah, that wraps up the Gutsy Grannies. We are very pleased to have had the privilege of talking about them for three episodes, even though they weren't even really in this episode. But... Long live the Gutsy Grannies. Alas, the show must go on, and next next week we're staying in Africa, and we're going to Namibia, correct? Yes, and we're doing another desert leg with teams getting lost in the desert. You would think after the Paul and Amy <laughs> fiasco last episode that yeah. they would have learned, so let's see if anyone pulls a Paul and Amy this time around. Yeah, I was saying, why are we doing this again? Like, we were seriously concerned about Paul and Amy's well-being and them being completely lost in the desert, cut off from all contact with a sandstorm. Well, Amy was sick. But, I mean, it should make for an interesting leg, if anything. Just maybe a head scratch of a choice. (laughs) Good TV, but is it safe? We'll find out. (laughs) We'll find out next week. Will somebody die? Who knows? Yep. Anyway, so, uh, always, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, amazingraceRewind at gmail.com. We're now also, besides all of our regular streaming platforms, we're also on YouTube, so channels under the name Amazing Race Rewind. Uh, and per usual, we're on Instagram at Amazing Race Rewind. So, you know, come check us out. Send us a, a comment, a question, follow us. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, follow us on there. Also, share us with a friend. And we will see you next week with episode four. Bye. Bye.